This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the First Cut Podcast. My name is Kyle Porter. I'm here on a Monday morning with Mark Immelman. Mark, how we doing? All good. Don't talk football. Otherwise, we are fine. And it was a bad weekend for Georgia sports. Wow, the, the Braves go down and the Falcons lose again and Georgia loses. Oh, no. Just uh, well, Thankfully, I have golf. Well, I was going to go uh, segment one on um the falcons kicker and then we were gonna go we we're gonna go matt bryant segment one jake Fromm segment two are you good with those two things <laughs> are you doing this because oklahoma are playing well and uh, uh and they're just looking unstoppable right now this is why you why are you rubbing this in is is this your thing hey the big the big 12 looks uh big 12 looks pretty pretty decent nationally so far now we're gonna talk golf we're gonna talk uh, we got a couple of, of interesting winners uh, over the weekend. Lanto Griffin wins uh, the Houston Open by a stroke over Mark Hubbard and Scott Harrington. Uh, they were tied for second. Uh, Griffin was – he was somebody coming in that I, I pegged him as my sleeper last week just because he had had like three top 15s in a row, or t- I think it was top 20s in a row. And uh, he goes out and plays so well all week. Did you have a chance to uh, to see any of his backstory? Uh, the backstory is incredible, and I've got to give some props to one of my CBS uh, research guys in Rick Folio. And we were calling golf. I think it might have been New Orleans last year, and Lanto Griffin was there in our in our in our broadcast, and he came through my hole, and and Rick slides this note across the desk to me he's like you know what law who he's named after and i'm like uh-uh. and i sort of shake my head and he's he's like well you know he's named after lord lanto who is the master of the wisdom ray <laughs> so this is like some weird sort of high level spiritual thing and and so lanto R- griffin the story even from the naming of him is is interesting and of course he's he's admitted that he's was sort of born to hippie parents and but but i just think the whole thing about you know, there was a gentleman, a professional that sort of guided him through the game and, and became like his, his second father after his dad passed away. So the backstory is just incredible. But for me, you know, it's, it's the stuff of which dreams are made. And like we talked about, you know, a few weeks ago on the show, it, it represents everything that's good about the PGA Tour to me. And so it was so cool to see him pull it all off. Yeah, I, I agree, and and I thought going into the Houston Open week, just because there were no real big names in the field other than, uh, I guess, you know, Henrik Stenson w- was obviously the biggest, but because of that, you're like, man, somebody's life is probably going to change in a significant way this week, and I would say that's true of somebody who has never uh, finished in the top 10 on the PGA Tour 
and goes out and gets his first victory. And even more than that, I know we talk about this all the time, but he's in the PGA Championship next year. He's in the Masters next year. He gets to start uh, 2020 uh, in Kapalua at, at the Tournament of Champions. So just a, a you know, it, it's crazy. I'm always just amazed by the gap, the chasm between – you know, because he's not that much better than he was before. But four years ago, he's playing in South America, and now he's headed to Augusta uh, for the 2020 Masters. It's it's unbelievable uh, how rich the riches are uh, at the at the highest level on the PGA Tour. Yeah, and to that, I mean, look, you have to hand it to him because the victory wasn't handed to him. He played beautifully coming yeah. down made a few crucial par-saving putts, made that bomb on, I think it was the second-to-last hole. And and to me, it just smacked of how these guys are coming through the Corn Ferry Tour. And he had a couple of victories out there. He'd been on the PGA Tour but lost the card. Mm-hmm. You know, this guy in, back in 2014 who professed he had about $170 left in his bank account and a couple of years later wanted to give it up. Uh, and then you get there on the Corn Ferry Tour, you play against these upstarts and these young stars, and and you learn to win. And he, he had learned to win, and he certainly took that experience yesterday and turned that into a pretty solid victory. I mean, he didn't he didn't look like there was any weakness in the arsenal whatsoever. And, uh, you know, the mind can play tricks on one when you're coming down the stretch, especially for someone who now is in uncharted territory. But every putt he stood over, he knocked it down. Every shot he stood over, he delivered when he needed to. 18 is, I mean, that is one of the toughest closing holes on the PGA Tour. And he's hit it wide right, which you would expect, but then got the ball on the green and to two putt from some 60-plus feet over a big slope. Made a six-footer to win. I mean, that's really cool stuff. Yeah, the six-footer was great. He, he said something really interesting. Dave Shedlowski had this on Golf Digest. He said that... He, he was at some event and he heard Greg Norman talk and Greg Norman was talking about how he's not impressed by guys who can, who can finish third and then miss three straight cuts, but he's more impressed by guys that finish uh, 15th four weeks in a row or in the top 24, five weeks in a row or, or whatever. And he said, uh, Griffin said he's thought about that a lot over the last couple of years. And, and, and even coming into this event again, he had been, uh, top 20 at either three or four events in a row to start the season and was uh, really flying under the radar uh, and then caps it up, caps off that kind of mini run with a win. So it's clear that that kind of had an effect on him as, as he went into this tournament. It certainly did. And, and you know, as I think from the 36,000 foot view now, we're seeing the same sort of thing happen here in this fall portion of the PGA Tour segment. I mean, you've had winners like Emiliano Grillo bounce out in years past. And so all of a sudden, these guys forge their way up the world rankings into people's living rooms, really. And and the landscape just keeps changing and and it keeps convincing, you know, the, the blue bloods of the tour, the glitterati, that they can't overlook these fall events because guys are jumping out and Atlanta is now number one in the FedEx Cup points ranking where the victory is basically guaranteed the playoffs um, and now that's beyond all of the events you list and so it's 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 making the fall legitimate with these young guys coming through and basically forcing the elder statesmen to get out and play as well yeah for sure uh, okay on the other side of the pond uh, Bernd Wiesberger wins the Italian Open Mm. Uh, another Rolex Series event. It's a pretty good event. Uh, had a really good field. Justin Rose played. 
Uh, Matt, Matt Fitzpatrick finished second. Uh, he lost by a stroke. But how about this, Mark? Bern Wiesberger is ranked number 22 in the world, which I was completely unaware that he was even close to that. He, he this time last week, was 36th in the world. He started the year at 185th, and now he's just two spots behind Ricky Fowler, uh, a couple ahead of Mark Leishman, uh, and quite a few ahead of Jordan Spieth. He's one of just two guys current in the current top 50 in the world that started the year outside the top 100. Uh, so it's him and then Jim Furyk, who is 50th, started the year at 223rd in the world. Uh, what do you make of Weisberger and uh, just his? I mean, he's got he's got three wins on the European Tour this season, which is uh, really impressive. And uh, I don't know. It's it, I'm just I can I'm just amazed that he's a top twenty five player in the world. I didn't realize he was ranked that high. Well, he's got those three wins, and that came after taking nearly eight months off last year with yeah. a, an injury, and then you know that's always hard to come back and play your best especially after injury because there's doubt and there's all sorts of things uh, and there's, there's there's the emotionality of it on the go but he's come back with almost a new lease on life um the thing about visberger the first time i met him i mean he's a strapping young man he's like six foot two he's about 195 pounds he's a big strong dude with a great golf swing um hits it flush and he's got that sort of um methodical sort of continental way about him. He's, he's not the Germanic sort, but, you know, he's, he's, he's very disciplined in what he does. And way back in the day, a, a former caddy of mine from South Africa, a young man from called Shane. Shane worked for Berndt when he came out and tour on the European tour. And he, he called me aside one, one day and he's like, you got to watch this guy play. He is good. And so I made a point of it back then. I think it was back in like 2014 or something. And even then, I was like, whoa, you know, he's got the chops. But, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean a guy's going to turn into something. And, and Wiesberger's just steadily plied his trade. He's worked hard. He's done the right things. And he's, he's made the ascent in the world rankings. And I've got to tell you, he's, he's almost like the, the Matt Wallace or the Tommy Fleetwood. All of a sudden, are they're like there and they're like, people are like, where are these guys? Who are they? Where have yeah. they come but they've been playing in big events around the globe, winning. Then all of a sudden, they show up in World Golf Championships events. They, they get in the top tens and such there in major championships. And then the next thing, they ride a cuppers and they're in the forefront. So it's, he's good, man, and he's not going away. That's, that's, I'm, of that, I'm convinced now, given how he's bounced back with three victories over the last space of play after that injury. Well, and to that point, I'm glad you brought up the Ryder Cup. That's always the bigger picture with me with with stuff like this. And, you you know, you've seen it a couple, I guess, you know, in the last three or four weeks, you had Danny Willett win, uh, you had Wiesberger win, and, and the, the, the race to make the Euro team, the race to make both teams, honestly, is going to be, it's going to be unbelievable because there are so many guys on both sides that you're like, wow, if that guy, if that guy gets left out, that's going to be crazy. You know, and, and we've talked about that a little bit on the American side, but I think it's also true on the Euro side of, you know, maybe maybe it's not like at face value crazy if Danny Willett doesn't make the Euro team or if Bern Wiesberger doesn't make the Euro team. But they're doing stuff now that come next July or August, you're going to be like, oh, yeah, you know, Bern Wiesberger won the Italian Open and that counted toward 
these Ryder Cup points. So I think I think that part of it is going to be really interesting because you've got guys that are not necessarily locks to make the team currently atop those standings. Yeah, all it's doing is it's making Captain Captain Podrick Harrington's job and Steve Stricker obviously their job a little harder. Um, but you know what? It's it, it's the landscape in which we currently live. These are young bucks. They're coming through. They're unafraid. And the the Stensons, the Garcias, that sort of crowd of the world on the European tour, I think it's forcing them to lift their game and really to show their intentions if they still want to be a part of this mix. Because you can't just sort of sit back and rest on your resume anymore. You've got to get out there and play. So from the larger perspective, it's going to be tough for the captain selections. But if I'm the captain, I'm going, well, dang. I mean, everyone's forcing everyone else to practice harder, to play more, to play well. And so I think everyone benefits from all of this. Yeah, I totally agree. Okay, we got a couple of uh, news and notes here. There's going to be – so this was announced at some point over the weekend. Henrik Stenson and uh, Annika Sorenstam are, are kind of um, helping run or sponsoring this event in Sweden in 2020. It's going to be co-sanctioned by the European Tour and the Ladies' European Tour. Uh, and it's a mixed event. It's gonna there, There's going to be uh, men and women playing with each other. Uh, I, I think this is great, and I think it's really interesting. And I'm curious just about, you know, we, we've seen the European Tour. Uh, they, they like to experiment with stuff. They're not afraid to experiment with different formats. And this is something that's been, you know, rumored on, on kind of the PGA Tour. And, and and they've done it in the past a little bit. I don't know that it's been this official of a format like we're seeing in Europe. What are your thoughts on this and uh, just your reaction to this uh, being an event in 2020? Um, my, my reaction is that I'm not surprised at all. I mean, if anyone was going to do it, it'd be the European Tour. And they just keep doing it. And they keep, they, they're keeping the pedal down. And they, they're pushing the edge of the envelope. And, and I think that's great for the world's game. Um, back in the day here on the PGA Tour, we had the Wendy's Three Tour Challenge, but that was, I don't want to say ceremonial, but it wasn't that women were competing against men. You played alongside someone, um, and like Dottie Pepper and Mike Holbert would play. And, and so it, it was a fun sort of an event, but there was a lot of competition on the go. I think, you know, Annika's perfect for this because she had played at Colonial in a PGA Tour event, yeah. um, which she was like a, a trendsetter that way. Henrik Stenson's a guy that thinks outside the box, and he's fiercely Swedish, obviously. And <laughs> um, I think for them to sort of be trend-setting this way would be awesome. And then it's you know the the gender the gender lines, I guess, are blurring now. And and why can't women compete against men? So I, I think it's a cool thing. Uh, it's going to get a whole lot of press. I can guarantee you that. And and I feel like it might become a fixture because, you know, once it's happened in Europe, there's every likelihood that the folks over here in the U.S., they, they put the pedal down to try and make sure they keep up. Yeah, and I think I think those are two people in, in Sornstam and Stenson who can really carry this kind of event, especially in Sweden. Um, they're mega popular. Uh, they What they say matters in, in a way that maybe, I don't know, how many guys in the U.S., what they what they say matters on a national level like is true of those two in Sweden I, I, I don't I don't know that it's as high of a number as maybe we think it is so I, I think that part of it'll be really cool and I think I think they'll both do a great job with it oh they will I have no doubt they're both very professional they're both charming as rip I mean you know Henrik Stenson's one of the best interviews in the game yeah 
Annika's very wise and she's very thoughtful and she's like super polite. Uh, you know, for someone who's achieved everything she has in the Hall of Famer, you wouldn't think she'd be so nice. But she she is incredible and and they they're awesome uh, figureheads for the event. And so uh, I feel confident that it'll be a success for sure. Uh, okay, did you see this uh, this Tiger uh, this Tiger Woods pop stroke partnership? This this like. I saw it described as like uh, modern miniature golf um, mm. or miniature golf, like uh, basically like top golf, but putting where you've got yeah. like TVs, you've got food, you've got all this. Have you ever been to one of these things? Uh, no. Uh, when I read of the thing, I was like, wow, so I must look around. And then I saw that there's one out there. I believe it's in Arizona somewhere, but no, no pardon me. There's one in Port St. Lucie, Florida. And then there are also locations in Arizona. Um, so yeah, I'd like to see it. I mean, putt putts all sorts of fun. I love Top Golf. Look, open disclosure. I, I love to go there and have some fun and have a few drinks. And so I think it's it's cool. Um, and as I was reading more about this, they've got this uh, technology infusion where the golf ball uh, transmits data to uh, one or other data hub, and then you can compete against someone somewhere else. And so. It's just narrow. It's 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 narrowing. It's it's getting the globe closer together. So I think it's a cool idea, and I look forward to seeing it. Yeah, I I, I agree. I, I think it is cool. I don't know. I thought Jeff Shackelford had a really interesting take on this. Of like, look, you know, all the money in the modern game. Not all the money, but a lot of the money is going to stuff like this, to, to stuff like Top Golf, to stuff like this pop stroke thing. That is, you can go out there for an hour or an hour and a half and then you're done and you had this sort of golf experience and we don't see that when you're going out and like grinding out five hour rounds, you know, and playing 18 holes. And, and I agree with him that I wish, and I, I, th- I guess this is his, his stance. He, he was sort of just pointing that out. My stance on it is like, I, I wish that there was a way to, there is a way. I wish that more golf courses would sort of incorporate these these shorter experiences, right? Like where you can go out for 40 minutes and have some sort of competition. Uh, and I guess the argument is you, you could. You could go to like a, a putting green and have a putting contest or whatever. But just, I don't know, maybe a more formal way to do that. I, I, I think that my hope is that local golf courses and, and even golf courses on a national level uh, go in that direction of, of shorter experiences to get uh, more people in, involved in the game because it's such a fun game to compete in. But my fear is that, look, I don't have five hours to give to, to go play around with my friends. I'll, I'll do it once every two months, but I've got an hour. I could go do that. So I don't know. I'm, I'm curious to see kind of the direction that goes in in the future. Well, look, we've always had putt-putt for as long as I can remember, and it's always been sort of a fun element to the game. Um, when you play golf, there's always been the halfway house and, and, and the beverage cart thing, you know, where you can get yourself one or two libations. So this is all just making it more, you know, time-friendly, as you point out. And the, the, the truth of it is, and for us, you know, me, I'm sort of a bit of a uh, an, an old-school golf soul Um you don't want to see it going this way because of the great golf courses of the world, but I do believe there's room for both. And and if nothing else, I'm looking at this from a growth of the game standpoint. So that because when I go to Top Golf, I see folks there that 
probably haven't ever been to a golf course, at least some of them. So this is just exposing our awesome game to more people. And, and I hope in some strange sort of a way it plants a seed and starts to get folks to like, well, let's go see what the big golf course is like. And maybe let's go and play a par three course and, and sort of get farther into the game that way. More par three courses, more nine hole courses. I, I played the, uh, the cradle at Pinehurst right after the Masters. Yeah. Thing's awesome. I mean, yeah. it is it is the best. It was so much fun to go out there and play, you know, nine holes, nine par three. They're barely par three holes. They're more like just, you know, chipping and putting. Um, but it was it was a blast. Uh, have you ever by the way, have you ever seen the uh, like the professional mini golf people like the, the they've got like like they like take like their, you know, their their Scotty Cameron's out there. They're, they like com- compete as as miniature golfers. Have you ever seen that? No, I haven't. It's but it's, I will- it's crazy. I'll- I will tell you this, though, and you talk about many golf courses or the shorter executive golf course. I spoke with Max Homer, who we all love. Okay, I mean, he's got a great sense of humor and such. And he was telling me he learned the game on a short course. And that when he was able to shoot low and that it allowed him the confidence to graduate to the bigger course. And, and I took that to heart. And I take my little ones out to a little par three course down the way. We do it in like an hour and a half. Uh, and And – you get exposed to the game that way. And so, look, pop golf, top golf, mini golf, executive golf, it's golf in the end. And, and so as long as it remains within the umbrella and everyone works alongside each other, I'm cool. Yeah. I'll send you a couple of videos of these uh, pro mini golfers. You're going you're gonna to enjoy uh, view. I think it's a documentary or something. I'll send it to you. Uh, okay, real quick. I, I, forgot, uh, I forgot to bring this up earlier. Have you seen uh, – have you watched Cole Hammer play at all? Have you seen him in person? I know he played the 15 uh, U.S. Open at Chambers Bay, and then he was in the field at the Houston Open. Have you gotten to see him up close? I uh, did um, at the uh, Arnold Palmer Cup earlier this year in June at the Lotion Club. He was playing for the United States against our international team. And, I mean, what a charming young man. Came up to me and introduced himself, and he's like, Hey, Mark, I'm Cole. And I was like, yeah, I know you are. And, and so I watched him play some. And, uh, and I said, look, if you ever need some, you know, anyway, just pull in a place to stay or whatever, let us know. And, and he, his game was outweighed by his personality and his charm. Mm. I instantly became a fan. And we're not supposed to. But, I mean, this boy's got it all going on. And the only thing that I think he would need some, because he's tall, I'm sure he'll fill out a little bit is that he's super accurate, but he plays, he's playing in the modern-day game now with these people that busted 300-plus in the air. And that's an element of the game that I'm sure he will still develop. But as far as the game goes, he's got it all. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I wrote something after. He, he shot, uh, I think it was 67 in the first round at Houston. Ended up finishing out. I mean, he made the cut, but he finished like T61 or something like that. But I, I, just, I, think, he, I think he could be a star. You know, he's, he's number two amateur in the world right now. He's been number one for, I think, 12 weeks. He was number one in the world in terms of amateurs. But uh, just a sophomore at Texas, he's still so young, even though we've we've talked about him for a long time because he was in that uh, 15 open at, at uh, Chambers Bay. But I don't know. I'm excited about his career. It seems like he could be the the, the next in the wave of, like, the, the Morikawa, Wolf, Hovland guys that we talk about. I would say... He's more because Marikawa is sneaky long. Matt Wolf, we all know he's long. Victor Hovland busted. Um, I looked at Cole Hammer and I sort of saw another Jordan Spieth. Mm. Very well versed. 
um, carries himself like a professional, uh, putts beautifully, um, and and he strikes the ball well. So I sort of said, man, this is another Jordan Spieth, and 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 if he follows in Jordan's footsteps, obviously he'll be great. But you know, just approach your career the same way, and I think he'll turn out just fine. Okay, we're we're actually going to talk a little Jordan Spieth uh, and the CJ Cup here in just a second. But first, let's take a quick break. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, Mark, CJ Cup later this week. Uh, it's This is the third time it's been held. Uh, we've gotten a pretty good group of winners so far. Justin Thomas, Brooks Kepka mm-hmm. are your uh, two past champions of this event. Uh, I know th- This is your home course, right? This is where you play all the time? <laughs> what, over there in Jeju Island. <laughs> I've seen pictures, man. It looks unreal. And I've... it's crazy. It's it's insane. And you know, I, I, the big deal there is obviously what kind of weather they get. I think nine under one at the first year, but then twenty two under one at last year when when Kepka won it. Maybe twenty one under. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a great field. Look, you know, anytime you have a limited field. Uh, no cut event with a ton of money. You're gonna, guys are going to show up, and I guess the thing that struck me as I looked at this field in terms of the favorites, Mark, is how many of these young guys were not just in the field but among the favorites. So your your top favorites are obviously uh, Kepka, and I think I think JT was also up there. But then after that, you got Hovland up there, you got Morikawa up there, you've got all these. Uh, so JT's. Uh, let's see, plus 650, Kepka's plus 900, Hideki, Fleetwood, Hovland, Morikawa, Jason Day, Jordan Spieth, Rafa Cabrera-Bello, Sergio Garcia. Those are your top 10 guys in terms of favorites. And, uh, I mean, Colin Morikawa having the same odds as Jordan Spieth to win a limited field event in, like, his 14th start is pretty crazy to me. Yeah, it certainly is. Um but for me, you know, again, I'm maybe I'm sounding romantic here, but I'm just looking at this thing from uh, from a big sort of global perspective. And yeah, you got this incredible golf course. Like I was saying, I mean, the folks that have been over there have told me it's like a, it's majestic. And you got this awesome field coming in there, introducing the game further to a Korean population that is rabid about golf. And 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 it's really cool. And I'm glad that some of the stars are going over there, but. Again, I think this is just a, a continuation of this fall um, precedent that's being set where you can't be spotting the Corn Ferry grads too much time because they're going to jump up and win tournaments and grab points and get a, a head start on folks. Hey, quickly to this field. You know, we've basically had the Sung JM podcast going on over the last <laughs> few weeks. Well, you know, he won last week. 
do you know he had a victory last week? Did he really? I did not see this. Where did just, what? It, the Genesis Championship over on over in Korea? So he got his victory. He's in the field this week. Uh, yeah, just just saying. All right. So maybe Sungjae could do it in front of his home nation in against all these stars and and, and just break through further and and again continue. I would think to turn Captain Ernie Els's head. This uh, Genesis Championship, the strength of field wasn't much worse than the Houston Open. So, uh, I'd say we, I say we count it, give it to him. Sixty-seven final round wins by two, good for him. Hey, there's a, there was a great young. They, they were all good over there. I mean, a lot of these players will see them on the PGA Tour, I'm sure, soon. But there's a young man who played in the field, Minwoo Lee. Yeah, he is legit. And and to see Sung JM come through, it's. That was pretty cool because I know I'd been blowing his trumpet for a long time, but finally he gets the victory. <laughs> uh, okay, we. I guess my biggest thing, my biggest interest point this week is probably Spieth. We haven't seen him in a while. He obviously had a lousy 2019, a weird 2019, uh, where he finishes third at the PGA, and you're like, I just don't. I'm, I'm not seeing it. Like his his tee to green game is horrendous. Uh, he's kind of he's having an all time putting season, but nobody's really talking about it. It was just. It was, a of, it was just a very strange thing, and so we're going to see him this week. Uh, I don't, I don't even know what my expectations are for him, but I'm, I'm intrigued by his season because I think it's a big season for him. It, it, it is, it's been over a year now of him struggling through a lot of this stuff. What are your expectations for him going into this season? Oh, you know, the one thing about Jordan Spieth is, he's, he's, he's an old head on young shoulders. He's, he's a wise young man who looks things through and and really investigate stuff before he does it. So I'm sure, you know, the work that they've been doing, he and Team Spieth, as they call it, has been on point. It's been the right stuff. And, you know, he's had some time here to to work in whatever adjustments they might have made and continue the work that they were doing through this season that was subpar for him. And so I would expect that he's in a place now where he's like, okay, we can go ahead and go. Uh, That would, you know, you don't come and, travel all the way to Korea unless you're in a place like that. So I would expect him to play well, and I would think the season would would be a steady upward climb. But I'm still, and I hate to say this, not convinced that he can hang with a Justin Thomas and a Brooks and, and a Dustin Johnson and a Rory McIlroy and that sort of thing. Um, he's, it's just, it's a different game right now. And, and now you add to the mix... Victor Hovland and and some of these super young long hitting stars coming out. It's it's just a different place, and so I would figure he might get a victory or two, but I don't think we'll see Jordan Spieth dominate like he has in past seasons. Yeah, I, I'm really intrigued by it. I still think he's special. I'm still buying stock, but uh, who knows? It could go the other direction as well. Okay, we're going winners and sleepers. I had uh, Mark. I had Mark Leishman as my winner. He had. Uh, he f- he's finished in the top 20 both both times at this tournament, and he is, what is he in terms of odds? I think he's like 50 to 1. Uh, no, he's 28 to 1. So he's 28 to 1 to win. Uh, I just, he just has been really successful on this course. And uh, yeah, it, it, uh, I've got, I've got Mark Leishman to win the CJ Cup. I like that pick. I really do. What concerned me was when he pulled out a few weeks ago with a back injury, but then he came back and played very well. I can't remember the event just a few weeks thereafter. So I'm sure he's doing well. Um, I'd like to see him play well of that. I have no doubts. Um, 
But you know what? I'm going to go a bit chalkier, and I'm going to say that Justin Thomas is going to be your guy. I mean, he's been playing super. He's won at this golf course before. He won the first CJ Cup. Um, and he's coming in here with a head of steam that is, is of biblical proportion. I mean, there are very few guys in the game that are playing better than JT over recent in the recent few months. And so I figure he goes over there to a place that's been a happy hunting ground and he wins. And just to that, for the longest time, all of his PGA Tour victories had come off the main, had been off the <laughs> United States. Won twice in Hawaii, won over here in Korea. So I feel like he gets back back in the horse and gets a win early. He won Malaysia a couple times too, I believe. Um yeah, JT and, and Leishman were actually in a playoff at the CJ Cup back in 2018. Um, so, yeah. Uh, my sleeper – okay, so here's what happened. I looked up the odds on this, and the site that I was looking at had Kyrdek up a barn rat at 1,500 to 1. I'm buying, man. I'm buying, man. And I thought, that's got to be a mistake. Is he injured? Did he withdraw and they're just trying to steal money? What's going on here? They have since changed it to 150 to one, which is actually more uh, reasonable. So I'm going to punt on Barnrat. I would take him at 1500 to one, not at 150. I'm going to go with Pat Perez, who uh, I believe was a, a late addition to this field. He's finished in the top ten uh, both times he's played in this tournament. Mark, he finished. Uh, let's see here. He finished T5 in 2018 in the uh, inaugural CJ Cup, and then he was T7 last year. He was ten strokes back of Kepka but uh, still finished T7 alongside Cam Smith and Ches Reeve. So uh, he is coming off a third-place finish uh, at Vegas a couple weeks ago, did not play in Houston, headed over to Korea instead. I like him as a sleeper at 50-1 to this week. Yeah, well, look, there's a few folks that caught my eye, and I know I sound kind of crazy because I'd said, said Sung J.M., and I'm firmly on board there. I guess I can't pick him as a sleeper, um, but watch out for him and – and I would say, for me, I'm sort of torn still because I love the way Billy Horschel is playing right now. Yeah. I really do. And he, you know, the greens over there are similar sort of grass to playing golf in Florida. So I think Horschel's a good move. But I'm going with Ben Ahn. Um, he's been playing well. Uh, I, I'm, I'm going to stick with this whole career thing in, in Korea. And I feel like Ben Ahn comes through. He's been close here over the last few weeks. He's a prolific ball striker. And there's, uh, there's a little point to make, too, you know, as we look, as we get closer to December and President's Cup selections in late November, I feel like Ben Ahn plays really well. Yeah, for sure. Uh, that's, that's a good pick. Okay, we will reconvene next week to uh, chat about the CJ Cup. We've got, we got the, uh, the, Japan, Skin? the Skins game. Uh-huh. You going to stay up? You know what? I told you in this podcast a few weeks ago, whatever. I didn't even watch the match. But but now I am jacked for this, man. I am, as I said, I've given up on football a little bit. Uh, baseball was a disappointment yeah, in Georgia eventually. So I'm, I'm up for the Skins game. I'm going to be watching. Well, it'll be, it'll be midnight Eastern, I believe, on Sunday night or Monday morning, however you want to look at that. You're going to be up. You're going to be breaking down Matt Ryan film and, you know, trying to trying to trade Julio Jones to the to the Chargers. And, I, you know, so in between all that, you can you can flip on the TV, get a little Jason Day, a little Rory, a little Tiger, a little Hideki should be fun. And uh, yeah, we'll talk about all of it next week. 
you know, one of the a, a tradition unlike any other to borrow from our colleague Jim Nance <laughs> is watching golf um, in the middle of the night and tweeting Kyle Porter. So <laughs> I'm sure you'll be up to, but I look forward to it. I really do. It'll be great. Thanks, Mark. We'll talk to you soon. Take care, brother. See ya.